We're going to be out of uh, Judges, or I'm sorry, Joshua tonight. I'm totally not prepared for Judges, but Joshua, we're going to be talking tonight. And uh, let's just pray. Father, we want to be a community, Lord, that feels empowered by your word and empowered by your spirit to, to change, God, the circumstances around us, Lord, to be significant. God, to have our, our mark in this world, Lord, your word promises that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, Lord, we'll be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. Lord, we believe that you did not create us just to breathe oxygen in and out and just simply live a Christian existence to do good things. Lord, we believe that you came to give us power to have change in this world and to have change in our life. And Lord, we ask that you'd open your word up to us tonight, that you would reveal to us and empower us, God, to call on every single one of our lives, Jesus, to be effective and to be significant in the kingdom. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us God, this region, this area, this country, God, this nation, God, this world to be, God, your hands and feet. So I pray right now, Lord, that every word that would proceed from my mouth, Lord, would be from the throne room, from your heart. God, I just, I, I pray that no wisdom of man, no cleverness, any of that stuff would, would, would be part of tonight, but Lord, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from me. And would you just open your word for us tonight, Lord, let it just sink in our hearts. Let us be transformed by it, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Awesome. Turn to Joshua. It's uh, right after Deuteronomy, so right in the front. We've got a good word coming. So last week I wasn't here. I was, I was super bummed. I, I try to never miss Epic Life for anything. And uh, this time last week, around this time, uh, I was in Colorado. And uh, a few years ago, I built some software that does payments for, for organizations and nonprofits and companies. And uh, so I was in a, a boardroom uh, last Thursday, and this boardroom is like seriously like the size of this entire room. I mean, it was enormous. Like the boardroom table had microphones and like, like the whole entire like west wing of it was pointing to the mountains. And uh, there's 16 senior executives all in that room. And I gave a two and a half hour presentation. And I thought in the middle there, like, I have these guys fooled. What on earth am I doing here? Like, why am I here? Like, I'm half their ages, you know? And I just was like, God, seriously? Like, I, I, got, I got my notes, I'm, I'm prepared, but like, it just it struck me that I'm in the presence of these really powerful, really mighty people. And I just, I felt so thankful that, that God truly gives the dreamers his strength. He gives the dreamers his vision. He gives the dreamers his, his uh, abilities. And I just felt so thankful last week as I just sat there just totally unworthy of what the Lord's doing. And, and uh, I just was so impressed as I came back and I'm thinking about kind of life about uh, if there's one thing I do, I'll do a lot of things bad. <laughs> but if there's one thing that I, I kind of do okay is I think that the Lord has given me grace to dream big and swing big. And it's, it's a topic that is so passionate to me. And I try to think back, like, how on earth did I get in that position where I was in that boardroom and, and, and there? And, like, what were, what were the, the sequence of decisions that I made that changed my life to be kind of more too stupid for my own good to know better, right? And I think back to it, and I really think it all came back to 2002. 
And there's a moment where I, for the first time, made this crazy decision in my life to make the boldest move I've ever ventured out on my own, and that was to go meet my wife. And so back, and then we have a little photo there. This is great. Old school. I, I, I had no social connections to my wife in college, none, right? I mean, she was a year ahead of me, um, way cooler than I was, I mean, by a long stretch. Like, I, I didn't have, I have a transition sentence to even ask her, like, so how's the weather where you're at? I have no idea where you're at, you know, any of that stuff. And uh, but I just, I knew, like, man, I would love to get to know that girl, but I don't have a, an inroad. I don't have anything to get me in. And so there was a, a dance at uh, our college. We had a new president, and I know some of you guys have heard this story before. Just bear with me. And um, you guys are like, yeah, this one again? And... Uh, and so there she was, she's out on the dance floor, and uh, I'm just watching her, I'm like, hopeless, right? It's like, that's the girl I wanna be with, and I got nothing. And so at that point, I was, I was really just growing in my faith, I was plugged in, I just felt that the Lord had given me a new call and vision on my life, and I just, I felt like for the first time in my life that, that my relationship with God finally like, clicked. And I was hearing from him, and I was getting his word, and I was being transformed by him. And all of a sudden, like, my heart's just like, gosh, darn it, you know, what do I do? And so I did what any other coward would do and sat there and just watched. No, <laughs> I didn't. I sat there, and I'm like, I can either take this one opportunity right now, and I can swing for the fences, and I can either strike out so hard that I'll hold my tail between my leg, or I can go for it. And so I was talking with a buddy, and I said, I'm, I think I'm just going to have to go out there and just dance with her or something. And he's like, yeah, right. i got to hit him up again and tell him, like, told you so. <laughs> I never got that chance. But I left him, and I, I seriously, like, parted through, like, the whole dance crowd. And I grabbed Camille's hand, and I just, just threw her in a spin. And, like, her eyes just kind of, like, peeked up like this. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good, you know. And I threw, like, another spin, you know. And she's still smiling. I'm like, yes, you know. And I don't know how many spins I did. It was probably like 12. And she's like, we're going to do some dancing here. And, um, and so it, it seriously was like the mountaintop experience of my life where I was like, this is actually going to work. This is all right. And the dance ended, or like the song, and um, I would not let her go. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to milk this. Like, I, I haven't been slapped yet, so I'm just going to keep running with this. And so we kept dancing, the, the night you know, concluded, and I just stuck her out, and, and I, just, I was a different person. But at that moment, I'll tell you, that I felt more alive in the, those like 15 minutes than ever in my entire life. And that probably was the single most significant decision I've ever made in my life. Because at that point, I was ready. My life was in sync with the Lord. I was hearing from him, I was looking at his blueprints, and I was seeing the yearnings of my heart. And Psalm 17 says that delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, Lord, man, this is a great girl. I now have an inroad. I would love to date this girl if it is your will. Lord, just don't let me blow it, please. That's all I ask. Just don't let me blow it. And the rest is history. I never let her out of my sight. <laughs> I, I kept wooing her. I just, I, I made it work and, you know, we got married. We moved up here. This is why I'm here with you guys, you know, like, all because of her, right? And it was one decision that forever changed everything. And from that, I made the decision to go into my own business. 
and not get a job after college. It was crazy. I have like countless stories, but I can trace it all back to that one moment where I said, God, I'm going to take a bold move and I have to trust that if, if I fail, you will allow me to recover and you'll allow me to move forward. And if I hit it out of the park, Lord, to you be the glory. And I'll tell you what, that when, when that, that dance ended, I was so humbled. as like, Lord, God, just make me better. Just, I'll try harder, Lord. And romantic relationships have an interesting thing of like making you really try harder in your faith. You know, it's a great thing that the Lord kind of does. And, uh, but I grew, and, and, and the Lord used that experience so much to make me who I am. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about God-sized opportunities tonight. I want to talk about being bold and going big. I really believe that each one of us, I don't care what your profession is, what your education is, where you're from, what you do, I believe every single one of us are destined for God-sized opportunities. But every single one of us, unfortunately, has the possibility that we're going to miss it. Each one of us have the potential, the capacity, we have the promise for God-sized opportunities, but we need to know that it is possible to miss God-sized opportunities in your life. That's the first thing tonight, to talk about going big and, and being bold and going for it, is that you have to know that your life matters. You have to know that your decisions make a difference in eternity. You have to know that, that God allows you to reason with him. If you read Genesis 2, you'll find that, that God like, created the animals. He's like, all right, Adam, what do you want to name them? And, it says, and that was their name. I think if there was anything I could change at all in the entire Christian faith, it'd be to let everybody know and feel empowered that they have autonomy, they have decision. The, the word says that we've been given privilege to reason with God, is that you would know that the circumstances of your life are not finished. That you have a choice, that you have a power, you have an ability to change what would happen. Are you with me? And Jesus, he says that the kingdom belongs to little children, right? It's like Matthew 19 and, and the children run up to Jesus and the disciples rebuke him, you know? And you know what's great about that? The whole difference between us and children is, is kids don't know any better. Isn't that great? Kids don't know any better. They're just going to go charge after it, like... You know, caution to the wind. They're just going to go for it. And if there's one attribute, I would say that the inside there is that children, even though I only have one, but I can see myself like in this, is that children have a healthy fear that they might miss out. Kids don't want to miss out. Like you tell them like one little tiny thing, like, are we still going to do it? Are we still going to do it? Are we still going to do it? You know, like they do not want to miss out on, on something good. And I don't know what happens in our upbringing. Something happens. But there becomes a loss of innocence where, I don't know if the, if the hope in us is dashed, where all of a sudden things that we used to think were possible aren't possible. We begin to live by our limitations as opposed to living to who God says we were, and who we are, and what we're going to do. And, and there becomes something that's lost. We begin to expect that everybody's going to be a nobody. But when we're young, like, you know, we want to be like an astronaut. We want to we do things like... I think I said I wanted to be like a million different things when I was growing up. For the longest time, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to be the guy that holds like the sign of the construction road, you know? Like this turns it back and forth. I, that's honestly what I wanted to do. And so my parents got me like the little yellow vest and stuff and like a little hard hat. And you know, the best day of my life was when the road construction came and repaved our road by the side. And I went out there and I like had my stop sign and... <laughs> And we live on like a road where there's like no yellow line in between. And like not a car came the entire day. But I was out there and I felt like, man, this is awesome. 
and I really think is, is I attribute it to my father that no matter what I wanted to do, he said, awesome, son, let's do it. I wrote a book on road construction, like as a kid, like with graphics and like, you know, I drew like tractors and things. Making asphalt, like, could it get more boring than, than that? I think he even recorded it, like come to memory. But there's a beautiful father illustration there that we need to know that when we come to the Father and we're like, Lord, man, this is my idea, we gotta know that every single time the Father's heart says, yeah, son, yeah, daughter, let's go do it. He's not gonna say, that's a stupid idea. How dare you? And I'll tell you why he doesn't say that at the end. But it's important that you know that there are moments that are gonna happen in your life that you will not be able to recreate. There are going to be snapshots in eternity that you will miss and they'll be gone and God's, God gives us grace through that. But there will be moments and opportunities where we will miss out. I don't want any of us to miss out. Each one of us, as we hear the word, we look at this, we should be able to, to grasp God's blueprint for being the, the people that upset the world. Have you guys fallen like this Lynn Sanity, you know, stuff? Like this basketball player for New York Knicks? No one, maybe just me, Yeah. Crazy, right? Like, it's going to be a movie. Like, this no-name guy who's been sleeping on a couch, like, suddenly turns into, like, Michael Jordan. And if, like, he's been killing it for the past two weeks. Crazy. We are, are, if we are God's children, we should be upsetting the world. We have everything against us. But let's look at what Joshua says, and we're going to start in chapter 1. And it says, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you, everyone say you, you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love it because I don't know how many times in a pre-service prayer that that exact phrase was quoted in our prayers. It's powerful. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous and be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you and do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then, when, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the first thing is that we have the possibility to miss God-sized opportunities. The second thing is be ready to make the first move. Be ready to make the first move. After God moves, the ball is in your court. What does that mean? Do you notice that? It says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. 
God says, I'm not just going to give you the land and hand you over the deed. Like every place where you place your foot, I will give it to you. The promise was contingent upon the forward motion of Joshua. He says, I will give you everything you take. I can't give you anything you don't take, if you will. In other words, if, if, if you're buying a house, God is saying, move out of the house, sell the house, go down the street, pack the moving vehicle, and begin going. And when you arrive to the new house, the deed will be signed then. But we get it kind of backwards. Like, we want, we want to know, okay, is all the paperwork set? You know, how did escrow go? You know, does it have a yard because we have a dog? You know, like, we're, we're all like wondering about it. And God's saying, go and move, and I'll create the house when you arrive. And in making the first move, God gives a, a couple precursor advice in here, and he repeated it a couple times, twice. He says, I will never leave you for, or forsake you, and I'll be with you wherever you go. Three times, in three verses, God says, be strong and courageous. Dave and I would always sell that to each other. Like, it'd be like our end text message greetings. We'd like, be strong and courageous, you know? <laughs> always be strong and courageous. And then, like, the next verse is like, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And the Lord is exhorting it. Why? Because when we make the first move, that is when there's the most fear and anxiety. Amen? It's really easy to follow somebody else. But when you're the first person to move, oh man, know that I'm with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Again, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the Lord gives a, a couple details for it. He's like, you know, there's a law there. Obey the law. There's a word. Be in the word. And I believe that the word helps affirm that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? That we read his word and we understand, man, God is an omnipresent God. He's in our hearts. He's in our lives. And he's like, and there's a law. Don't mess it up. Why? Because we can unintentionally disqualify ourselves from the God-sized opportunities. We have a, you know, I don't know them very well personally, but a friends of a friends and a family. And, and so there's a son and, and the family runs this big bank. And the son just got caught for embezzling $3 million over the past couple years. And he's got like three kids. Like you just, you, you took yourself out of the running for amazing things that God wanted to do in your life, in the relationships. When you mess up, God's grace, God's not looking to punish, but there's going to be consequences to our decisions. And sometimes it can take us out of the running. It can take us out of the realm of possibility to receive some of the great things that God wants to do. Amen. Flip a couple pages to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourself, for the Lord will do amazing things among you. The third point here to, to be upsetters, to go big and be bold, is this, is make sure you are right with Jesus. Make sure you are right with Jesus. Now, what do I mean? When it says, consecrate, your Lord, consecrate yourselves, for the Lord will do amazing things among you, you know what he didn't say right there? You guys with me? He did not say consecrate yourself, which means purify yourselves, get yourself right. He didn't say do that because the judgment is coming tomorrow. He says get right, get pure, set yourself apart because tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things among us. Fear is a terrible motivator. I think Bill Johnson said you can't punish people into purity. Not good? Man, I wish I could think of stuff like that. 
We need to have something that motivates us more than the consequences of sin. I think people are tired of hearing like they, they messed up and it was really bad. We get to do a lot of counseling, which is really fun. And when people kind of mess up, you know, like the biggest thing is that you cannot partner with the enemy in shaming people. It doesn't work. It's not like, yeah, you stole or you went to jail or, you know, something. You're like, you know, that's really bad. I'm like, oh, newsflash. I didn't know that. Like, no one needs to be told that their sin is bad. But what we need to do is we need to have people know what's at stake. And they need to know who God has called them to be. And you're, you're not acting like God's son or daughter. That's the only problem here. Stop acting like somebody else. That's not you. And so the word is saying, consecrate yourself because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, why on earth would he say that? I believe it's because in the Lord's great mercy, he wants us to be prepared to contain the blessing. That when God's going to do something great, that we should be able to be able to contain it, that we don't blow it, that we, we can handle it. And consecrate, what does that mean? It means to be regarded as holy, to purify oneself. It means to be devoted as, to God. It's also used in like objects and things that, you know, like the, the tabernacle or different instruments for worship. And it, it, it's used in terms of nouns as things that are set aside for worship to God. And so it's, it's making ourselves, making our hearts, our minds, our beings right with Jesus. Why? I really, really believe it's so that we can contain the blessing that's about to arrive. Are you with me? Because how many of you guys know that a blessing can actually be a curse? It's important that we all get this. If, if you are not in a position to contain the powerful move that God is going to do among you and in you, that, that move can actually be a curse in your life. And here's the perfect example. In five years, half, if not three-quarters, of everybody who wins the lottery declares bankruptcy. People think they got money issues, right? They win the lottery. The lottery is a curse. People think it's a, a great thing, but the suicide rates are through the roof. Depression through the roof. Corruption, all these things. When we take something and a great thing is intended and you cannot contain it, you don't have the capacity to manage and all those things, it can be one of the worst things in your life. It's amazing, there's like documentaries on Discovery, like there's all sorts of weird shows on, on cable, but Discovery has a couple of them, like TLC, you know, it's, I won't even get into that. Um, but there's stories of people who won the lottery and lost it all. And it's kind of like, if you didn't blow it, like you're highlighted, like this guy didn't mess it up, you know? It's like one out of 10. But it's important that, that we don't try and purify ourselves because we're, we're fearing the punishment, it's because God is gonna do something amazing. And we want to be able to withstand his blessing because he's so good. He's so good and so great. And, and if, we're not, if we can't hold it, then we're going to crumble under it. So don't miss out on a blessing or hearing from God because of your flesh. God does not want his blessing to be a stumbling block to you. Let's keep reading verse 6. It says, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand. Everyone say, stand. Stand in the river. 
Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigasites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, all those. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now... The Jordan is at flood stage during all of harvest. Everyone say flood. flood. The fourth truth is this. Be prepared to go and stand in the water. The water is the obstacle, right? The water is the opposition. The water is keeping all of Israel from entering the promised land. And the, the, the decree, did you catch it? In verse 8, it says, go stand in the river. And, and, and that's all the information they had. You're going to go stand in the river and probably be cold and look stupid. But that is the, the deal, is that the, the, the river is the opposition, and I want you to go and stand in the opposition. And you know that there is victory in obedience, right? The victory is in the obedience. The victory is not in the battle. Jesus didn't win the battle on the cross. He was crucified, but he was obedient to the cross, and therefore we have victory. His obedience was our victory of our salvation. It's kind of backwards, right? So the river, God says, go stand in the opposition. Go be in it. And sometimes we overthink it. Because when we have, a, when we have to cross a river and, and God says, go stand in the river, don't we all like think of like, well, I gotta go build a boat, right? You're kind of like, there's a river, there's water, like a boat would kind of make sense. You know, and we kind of overthink when God calls us and leads us. It's important we don't do that because we need to know that God's calling is the equipping. You guys know the difference between a calling and equipping? We, we like to think of it in two separate things. We like to say, well, God called, but I'm not equipped yet. I'll tell you right now that when God calls you, it is the equipping. The calling is the equipping whenever God speaks to you. He's never going to call you to something that you need to go get outside training and additional help. The calling is the equipping. We don't need to invent boats. We don't need to have zip lines as those that would be really fun. God says, when you go, go just stand in the opposition and just wait. There's obedience in that. Go stand in it. And where were the waters at? What stage were they at? Flood stage. Wouldn't our conventional wisdom, if God says, I'm going to take you across the river, I'm going to like overcome this obstacle, wouldn't like all of us just pray for a drought? Or like, Lord, you know, if you're really in this, like you'll, you'll like dry up that river, you know, like you'll send a drought, you'll, you'll send some beavers and it'll make a whole little dam there or something, you know. Like isn't our, our natural inclination, whenever God moves us, is we, we think that we need the natural to help the supernatural, like God needs a little help or something. And so if God's going to say, I'm going to take you across the Jordan River, and it's at flood stage, wouldn't all of us, like, be honest here, you're like, nah, God's not really in this, you know? If God is really in it, he would, like, lower the waters. He would, like, dry it, like, you know, the whole beaver thing, remember? Like, we would be looking for signs that help him accomplish that purpose. And it's the exact opposite. 
And you do know that when you go stand in the waters, when you're going big, you're, go, you're being bold, when you go and stand in the waters, you are standing in the waters of intimidation. It mentions that because wouldn't we all like to be scared of what God is going to take us in when we approach the waters in their flood stages? Bigger and, and, and badder than we would ever thought. Chris Valaton says this, and he's going to be here next week. It's crazy. I can't believe it. It says, the dogs of doom stand at the door of destiny. The dogs of doom stand at the door of your destiny. Meaning what? It means the closer you get to your destiny, the louder the dogs bark. Are you with me? That the closer you get to, to God's move, God's breakthrough, the closer you get to that, the louder the dogs are going to bark. You know what's hilarious about dogs? One is I don't know a whole lot about them, but I know about this much about them, is that most dogs bark in intimidation hoping that they never have to fight. You're like the little yappy dogs, like, ay, 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 ay. And you just like do this, and they like, woo, woo, you know, like they fly all over. Like the dogs that have like the, the meanest, like in, you know, little man complex, they're like the wussiest things ever. And I think that the, the dogs of intimidation in our life, they're just chihuahuas behind like a, a, a megaphone and a, and a screen. I really do. I believe if, if there's one thing that the enemy does, he tries to give a big bark so we won't come close to that door. And we mistake the opposition for that God's not in it. I say if you are dangerous, if you are, are, are trying to upset the world, if you are going big and being bold, you better expect the intimidation. You better expect the opposition because the enemy wants you to be completely neutralized and minimized. But when you're moving forward, you've got to expect the, the dogs to start barking. Almost done. Verse 15. It says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zaran, while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood still on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Fifth step. Got to jump in. You got to jump in. When you approach the waters, when you go standing, you have to begin to have that forward motion. You have to do something. It, it completely drives me nuts when I was in college and there's a lot of surfers at our, our college and, and they're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, waiting on the Lord, you know, surfing and waiting on the Lord, you know. It's like, sweet. <laughs> so what is he saying, you know? Oh, I don't know. Just, you know, the surf. Really? It's important. It's amazingly important and I, I tell startups this all the time. The, the number one advice, if, if you were to come, for me, come to me and you have a startup and we're going to work together, the, the thing I will tell you and I will, will pound our little tiny conference room table is I'll say it is better to launch with a half-baked idea than never launch at all. There's an essence that you have to eventually, you have to get it off the ground. It doesn't matter. You, you have to do something. Uh, at some point, you have to jump in. You have to launch. You have to pull the trigger. Our generation, for whatever it is, we have such an anxiety of pulling the trigger. We have such an anxiety from taking any chances and being bold. We want to wait till every single duck is in the row, you know? If I would have done that, I would not have married my wife until 
maybe next year. I don't know. Like, life has not really been like all ducks in a row for a long time. We wouldn't have scarlet, you know, or any of that stuff. If we would wait for everything to be perfect, when we think that God has a stamp of approval, I would have never taken a chance in my life. Are you with me? It's so important that you know that we have to eventually run out of excuses. It's, it's one thing to be like, be shy, like, you know, like the classic, you know, dating relationship. The guy's like, honey, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. You know, you're like, no, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, you know. And it goes on for like ever and ever and ever. Eventually, if the guy keeps on asking, eventually the girl like gives in. At some point, well, maybe not. I see some girl shaking their head like, no, I take it to the grave, you know. <laughs> it's cruel. It's mean. At some point, you need to stop excusing and you need to go for it. You got to go for it. You know why? Because you will never run out of excuses for why not to do something. Never. You will never, ever, 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 ever run out of excuses for why you shouldn't do something. One time, there's someone who, who clearly they knew like they're supposed to do something. I'm like trying to encourage them. And they start back and I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, because of this. Why? Because of this. And, you know, I, they seriously went through like 30 excuses. And I said, okay, level with me. You just don't want to do it because you just don't want to do it now, right? Like, yeah. But you'll, you'll make up any excuse like, oh, my refrigerator has dust bunnies. and I need to go clean them tomorrow night. Like people will get ridiculous in their excuses. Eventually you need to know I have to do something. I have to launch. And here is exactly why you need to because making not making a decision is making a decision. It is better to make a decision on a gut, on a whim, on something. It's better to do something to do nothing because doing nothing is making a decision. And I would much rather say, if there was 100 opportunities and God is going to speak to me one of them, I would rather fail 99 times and get that one also than miss all of them. It's so important that we begin to move ourselves from introspection into action because the ball and chain of the enemy, listen, the ball and chain of the enemy for you is introspection. The enemy will, will use introspection and self-like analysis to keep you paralyzed from doing anything significant in your life. And he'll use things like fear. He'll do things like accreditation. He'll do all sorts of things. He'll give you unlimited excuses if you listen to him for why you shouldn't do something. He'll keep you forever wound up looking at yourself and wondering. There's always going to be reason to delay. We've got to jump in. Last. Being bold, going big. The last step is you need to know the purpose. You need to remember why God is going to take you on any of this stuff. And it's not because of your glory. It's not because that you can have security. It's not because you can have great compensation and all these you know, great things, like nice car, nice house. God is not going to do things for that purpose. He's going to do it for his glory. He's going to do it for his glory. Do you remember what it said in verse 7 back in, in uh, chapter 1? It says, I will exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you. He's like, I'm going to lead you across the Jordan. It's going to be awesome, right? And they'll know that, that, you know, you're the man. But they'll know that I'm the God. You might be the woman, you might be the man, but he's the God. And so we need to know that whatever that we do, any big chance, any swing for the fences, we need to know that it is, is for proof that God is with us. We're called to be upsetters. 
have a photo of my wife at my desk. My favorite thing is a client walks in and like, is that your wife? I'm like, huh? She drunk when she met you? I, I don't, I don't kind of get this. I was like, I got Jesus, you know, right? Give me a little help. But the purpose, and I, I, I'm astounded that God has given me the ability to go from, from high school. I haven't had a W-2 since I was 16. I honestly, when people ask, like how, I wish I could give you something clever. I'm not that smart. I honestly tell you that the Lord has given me favor. And I believe he's only given me favor because I've been too stupid not to go for it. Please become stupid <laughs> and go for it. Are you with me? The foolish things confound the wise. Be stupid and go for it. You're like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in a message in my life. But we remember the purpose. And why, why on earth would God take us through any of this stuff? Here, here's what it is. If you miss everything tonight, get this one detail, this one like little Facebookable line or something, whatever you want to call it, the one thing you scramble in your journal, like anything. If, if, if there's nothing else you get, just get this, please. <laughs> Who you become in the process is more important than the outcome. Who you become is more important than the process. I have a lot of failed business ventures, ideas. I have an idea for everything, and a lot of them are terrible. Some of them are good. But who I have become in pursuing failed efforts, failed things that, that have, have cost me tons of money. This past year, I had to write a crazy check for this venture that I was in and it totally failed. It was like the worst thing ever. But who I became from learning that and what God showed me about actually hearing his voice completely transformed me. Pursuing my wife was the greatest sermon that the Lord ever preached to me. Pursuing business and, and going after school and, and full-time into my own gig was what God used to purify and refine my faith. Are you with me? It's like, great, you know, awesome, I have a business, but the faith that he's given me through that is what's valuable. Who I've become through that journey is what's mattered. God has used epic life. Like, I didn't sign up to do this. This wasn't like, oh, that's a great idea, let's do this, you know? Like, it was kind of like, why don't we help out and let's kind of, you know, you know, I kind of got roped into it as just like a consultant. And it was great because I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do ministry stuff. Like, I just, I don't know, leave it to the guys over there. But he used Epic Life and used this opportunity to drive me to be a student of the Word. And to be in relationship and know what it is to be in authentic community and to, to generally have concern for others. I didn't really have that before. And so we need to know that we look at these things and we focus on the outcome. I don't care if you're trying to get in the MBA right now. Who you become in the process is more important than getting in the MBA. If you miss that, you've missed everything. And we, we have the power that God is going to take us through that. And again, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about my journey. There's nothing special about that. It's, it's just, I, I love this teaching because it gives me such a clear blueprint. And I want to leave you with these questions as the band comes up. The God-sized opportunities, when they come, and they will come, there's nothing special about anybody else that excludes you, that, that, that precludes you from God-sized opportunities. There's nothing about you that it says you'll miss out on God-sized opportunities. But when they come, 
When they come, will you miss it? We have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to know. Will you miss it when you know this is a big defining moment? There are opportunities in our life that we cannot recreate, we cannot hope for. If I didn't get off that stupid stool, that dance, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have the life that I enjoy now. Are you going to miss it? When that opportunity comes, are you going to be the initiator? Are you going to take the first step? When it comes, are you going to step out? Are you going to be in a position to where if God, God bless you, gets you in the NBA, let's just run with that analogy. Will you be able to contain it? Will you be in a position to say, God, to you be the glory? I'll be able to survive the success. I look at other people who've made it in business and I think, man, I don't want their life. Man, like their business success has ruined their existence. I don't want that. Lord, if you, if you give me great success in business, man, I just, my most profound prayer is just, Lord, don't let me be corrupt by your blessing. Will you be able to stand the intimidation when it comes? Will the naysayers win out? Will the introspection wear you out? Will you surrender because you don't have anything left in it? Will you be able to jump in? Will you be able to pull the trigger? Will you get off that proverbial little bench seat and, and go through the crowd, grab the girl, spinner? Will you be able to do that? Do you believe? Are you stupid enough to do it? Please tell me you are. And last, will you know the purpose of it all? We're not here to have our name and lights. We're not here to have anything. We all deserve death. Amen? God saved us. Hallelujah. That we have eternity and life in him. But through that, that we get to, to become better people through the chasing of these opportunities. Let me close with this. Romans 5, 3-4 says this. And we rejoice in our struggles because struggles build perseverance. Perseverance builds character. And character builds hope. And hope does not disappoint. Children have hope. Children have hope that you're going to take them to Disneyland. <laughs> Children have hope that there might be ice cream tonight before I go to bed. They're always looking out, right? The kingdom belongs to those who, who are looking, who are hoping, who are seeking, who are searching, who jump in. Let's all stand. I'm going to invite our uh, leadership team and, and prayer team to come to the sides. And if there's something in here that pinged your heart, if you're in that stage, one place or the other, and you're like stuck, if you're like, I don't even see God-sized opportunities, let us pray for the God-sized opportunities for you. Let's pray like, Lord, maybe, maybe you missed out on something. Let's say, God, send that plane back around. Let's have another dance. Let's have another girl. I, I don't know. Like we can pray that God would, would open up new realms of possibility for you. Maybe you're just, just wrecked with intimidation. Let us pray and just say, God, remove intimidation. The dog that's barking is just a little chihuahua behind a big shadow and a microphone. What is it? Maybe you're having trouble getting off the fence, off the, the stool, and you need God to give you a little righteous kick in the patang, you know? That's like, let's... Let's come in agreement and pray together. Let's, let's seek that the Lord would, would have us do great things because surely if the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, that you were not meant for mediocre existence. 
You were not meant for a mediocre existence. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just pray that right now that oddly that, that Lord, you just make us stupid <laughs> to the, the consequences of the world, Lord. God, the world says all these bad things, all these crazy things, all the reasons why, Lord, we just pray that you would completely detune us, Lord. Make us ignorant of all that stuff. God, may we begin to dream anew. May we begin to have faith, not in our abilities, but in, Lord, your abilities. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would be supernaturally right now giving each individual person here what their God-given calling, their significance, their purpose is. Nobody here has been called to live a life of being a Christian couch potato. Everybody has been called by the divine creator of this earth to be significant in this world. Lord, call forth your children. Give such vision and clarity. Give such details, Lord. And inspire us, Lord, to the next, the next step, Lord, that we have. God, we thank you for the book of Joshua. God, this, this story, Lord, that we just glean from our inspiration tonight. God, your word is so good to us. We thank you, God, that you're not a God, a God that's, that's barking orders. God, you give us the privilege to reason with you. So, Lord, let us now reason with you. Let us discuss with you what's going on. Lord, I just pray that tonight as we leave, Lord, and we worship right now, God, that you just inspire us to greatness. Not because we want to be great, but because, God, you are great. Greater is you who's in us than anything in the world. We love you, Lord. We worship you now.